Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup, and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. Anderson keeps it alive. Off the boards, it's Trevor Moore battling for space against Dmitry Orlov. Arvidsson to the front. Dursey scores! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Poke free to the line. Carlson whacks it towards the middle off of Moore. He'll try to track it down. Arvidsson breaking to the front. Moore to Arvidsson. Score! Here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Time to name a King of the Week. Joining me to do so, Austin Stanovich. How are you doing today, Austin? Good, Jesse. How are we doing? I'm excellent. For those of you who do not know, Austin Stanovich has covered the LA Kings previously for the hockey writers. What uh, does the future hold for Austin Stanovich, Austin? I'm actually able to give you guys a all the Kingsmen exclusive. All right. I was going to be okay to announce that we'll imminently be launching Los Angeles Hockey Now as part of the National Hockey Now Network in hopefully the next week or so. So that'll be where my Kings coverage will be. All right. And if you're not already following him on Twitter, you can do so at a Stanovich 68. That's capital A, capital S, T A N O V I C H 68. Um, Austin's been there at training camp. He's been to, at all the practices. I see him uh, more than most faces uh, seen around uh, LA Kings practice these days, and he's been at the game. So, Austin, we're going to jump into this King of the Week time. Runner up for King of the Week, who you got? Or, sorry, honorable mention. I keep doing that. Honorable mention. I don't know what mentions gonna be Matt Roy, who's just decided that he's an offensive defenseman now. With Interesting. Big, okay. Yeah, the big two goal game earlier in the week that kind of uh got them into overtime against Nashville. And I just really like Matt Roy as a player. I think he's an underrated player on this Kings team. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. You know, people love the more offensive, high skill guys, but Matt Roy for the last couple of years has just gone about his business been so solid so consistent for the team and then he jumps up two goals in one game and ends up kind of spurring the team to a victory so i gotta give him the shout out well i love it i love that pick and this is why i ask other people to come on because frequently they pick guys that uh, it would not have occurred to me to pick i should clarify this is for week two of the la king season so we are covering games against detroit nashville pittsburgh and washington the entire road trip um for my honorable mention i'm going to go back to uh, I think the guy that I had as my honorable mention last week, which is Brant Clark. He picks up his first NHL point in his career. So I'm going to go ahead and recognize uh, the young rookie defenseman for that. Um, Brant Clark has at times looked very good at times looked overmatched, but that is to be expected given his age uh, and the situations he's been thrust into on the whole. I'm very positive about the Brant Clark experience and I expect it to last quite a bit longer. So my honorable mention, getting his first NHL point, Brant Clark. Austin, who is your runner-up for King of the Week? My runner-up will be fan favorite, Thousand Oaks native, Trevor Moore. (laughs) Uh, Four points in the last week that leads all Kings players, all assists. Uh, I mean, you can't really 
There's not much more to say outside of led the team of points this last week. I mean, he doesn't need to do much more to at least be a runner-up. And they really – that line really got going last night against Washington. Ended up being a losing effort. But he looks great again. I think the fear fears of regression that some people might have had probably are starting to go away pretty quickly. He's kind of picked up right where he left off last season. So he'll be my runner-up. If we If this week were shorter – or if uh, things had gone a little bit differently in Saturday's game against the Capitals, I might have gone with Victor Arvidsson because he looked fantastic in that game and proved once again my supposition that he is, I think, the best playmaker on the team. But for my runner-up, I'm going with Trevor Moore's line mate, uh, the most valuable Phil, Phil Deneau, who led the team in goals, not points, (laughs) but in goals this week. Um, And the only thing keeping me from naming him King of the Week was um, not great in the faceoff circle and didn't lead the team in points. But I thought that line in general has looked phenomenal. So then, Austin, who is your King of the Week? My King of the Week is going to be Gabe Velarde. Three points in the week. And there just is not enough good things to say about what Gabe Velarde is doing on the ice right now. I mean, everyone, even the coaching staff, all of his line mates, they just glowing reviews for him. He looks like a completely different player than the one we've seen the last couple seasons. He looks like that player we saw in junior, the one that got drafted 11th overall. He's confident. He looks happy out there. And it's just, it's so great to see. I just can't pass up the opportunity to give him more credit. So he'll be my King of the Week this week. A solid pick. And um, honestly, he was my, he was the King of the Week last week. And how the how the week was going in games one and two, he was definitely on pace. For me to pick him to repeat um i don't generally like to pick players to repeat and through no fault of his own that line i follow byfield and velarde was off to a great start the chemistry was there it seemed to make sense i am a fervent believer that it's more about recipe than ingredients and so even though gabe velarde has proved himself a valuable ingredient um, I think that line that he's presently on without I follow on it, the recipe needs tweaking or it needs time to come together something or other. Um, and meanwhile, Trevor Moore had himself an incredible week. You you named him as the runner up. Um, Trevor Moore is, in fact, the king of the week this week because I didn't want to gush too much about that line when I signed about to know because I knew I was going with more and I wanted to save some of the gushing for that line. But I mean, Austin, that line it's impressive, right? Like there's, I was, I was even talking to uh, <clears throat> my dad and uh, and a couple other people about it today. Like I would never sit here and tell you that those three players are the best three players on the team. And I would never tell you that that line is the most talented line or the most potent line, the most dangerous line, but the three of them play in such a way that their talents complement each other so well. And you know, coming back to the season, there was question, rightfully so, probably as to whether or not those three players would combine to create the same kind of success on the line. And maybe in the first couple of games, it was like eh, a little bit of collar tugging. I'm not sure. But as this season progresses and as as Victor Arvidsson gets more <laughs> regular season games under his belt, um, we saw it against Washington when they are on. They look fantastic and a ton of fun to watch. Yeah, Victor Arvidsson looks so good. Like you said, if the shorter week, maybe less games, he would have been at least in there because he looks so good. There's a play in the third period where he came down one on with a defenseman and made like four moves on the guy. And I was like, he's just feeling himself right now. Like he just feels so good out there. So, yeah, I agree. That line looks great. And Phil Deneau, I think last time I was on here, you made the comment about uh, 
he's so much more than we expected. Mm. I think that's such a correct statement. Like he's been so much better than anything we would have hoped for when he first signed. And I already went over Trevor Warren. Just great. Great player. Yeah, it's uh, it was a strong week for them. And uh, so congratulations, Trevor Moore. This week's King of the Week. So, Austin, um, I said, I think it was on Thursday's episode, I said that if they lost to Pittsburgh and Washington, which they did ultimately do, it was still uh, a three and two road trip, if I have that right. Let me go find the schedule. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah, that um, yeah. So it's still it's a three and two road trip, three and two road trip. Excuse me. But each win sort of came in a wacky fashion. The Pittsburgh game, I'm prepared to throw out and never speak of again. And then the Washington game, I had said in between the Pittsburgh and the Washington game, we would learn more about this team in the Washington game than we did in the Pittsburgh game because at that point I was prepared to never think about the Pittsburgh game again. The first two periods of Kings versus Capitals, I thought, aha. They have learned the lesson from the Pittsburgh game, which is that there is no lesson. It's just one of those stupid games. Hockey apparently throws a dumb one down the chute, and that was one of them. Um, But then that third period happened in Washington, and I feel like I'm sort of back to where I was um, after Pittsburgh, where it's like, well, the team is at that point three and three. Now they're three and four. And I'm still not sure that I know what the team is. Yeah, I would agree. I think what kind of can get lost in this from a lot of people is that this was the fifth game. They had five games in seven days, all on the road. I think they went across three different time zones in that period. And I know there are people that are going to say, oh, well, you know, they're pro athletes. That's what they do. But like, that's very, very difficult to do. And against five teams that will all be playoff or in and around the playoff hunt, that was a very difficult road trip. And to even come away three and two, regardless of how it happened, should be seen as a success. I think if they lost the opening two against Minnesota and Detroit and then won three in a row, the uh, reaction to that road trip would be completely different. I think it's the recency. The last two games were tough, right? The Pittsburgh game just was hard to watch all around, and then you collapse in the third period against Washington, and it does leave a sour taste in your mouth. But when you take a step back and you look at the road trip as a whole, I think you can consider it a success, even if there are still some issues within this team and some things that need to be worked out. That's fair. And I think I even said on Thursday that that Pittsburgh or not Pittsburgh, excuse me, the Nashville game, I had gone into it expecting them to lose. I sort of figured, oh, this is a scheduled loss back to back games in Detroit and then Nashville. That's four games in, or three games and four nights, excuse me. And I was like, all right, well, they're going to lose this one and who cares? And then they won. And now they've got a three game winning streak. And so I, you know what? That's funny. I hadn't thought about it, but you're, I think you're right. If they had gone 0 and 4 to start the season and then had won three in a row and were same record coming home, everybody would be like, ah, oh, we got this, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, yeah. now they face Tampa on Tuesday, Winnipeg on Thursday, and Toronto on Saturday. I confess I haven't been pay- paying a ton of attention to Winnipeg, so I don't really know what to expect there. And I understand that Toronto's off to a slightly disappointing start or Tampa maybe was the one that was off to the disappointing start. Um, but they're still Tampa and they're still Toronto. Yeah. So yeah. great. Teams. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to dwell on the concerns of the team right now, but I will simply say I'm aware of the conversation surrounding the team and the, fans that have concerns and i will 
say I don't. Th- I mean, listen, the team, you know, leads the, the league not in goals for, but they're close, I think, if not tops. They're third in goals for at the time of this recording, and they're first in goals against. And it seems unlikely that you're going to make the playoffs giving up that many goals. Yeah, it's not going to happen, but I don't think this team's going to continue to give up almost four goals a game. I don't think that's realistic at all, personally. It doesn't It doesn't seem likely. It hadn't even occurred to me, but now I'm going to go back and look last year at what the worst goals against was because four seems a lot. Uh, yeah, the worst team in the league last season, goals against-wise, was Montreal at 3.87. Detroit was 3.78. Arizona, 3.7. You know, improving from there up till uh, 2.4. Hurricanes were the lowest in the league. So, yeah, it does seem unlikely that the Kings will continue to allow more than four goals a game, which I think they're at 4.4 this uh, so far this season. Uh, yeah, 4.43. So, you're right. It does seem unlikely. Um, but... Something's got it. The special teams, this will remain a thread, can need to improve. And yeah. uh, the defense and the goaltending. Because it's not just, I looked this up, this stat up this morning as well. Um, both goalies are uh, in the red when it comes to um, goals against versus expected. But yeah. the team is also third worst in expected goals against. So even if the goaltenders were you know, performing exactly to expectations, the team would still be dangerously close to the bottom of the league when it came to allowing opportunities and, and expected goals against. So all that needs to get shored up. Uh, Austin, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see you at practice. And hold on, Kings fans. We're going to bring you our conversation with Luke Robitaille in just a second. Joining me now, Luke Robitaille. I'm not going to waste time with an introduction. How are you doing today, Luke? What's up, bud? <laughs> so first question I've, I want to ask you. Okay. This must happen to you all the time, and I'm about to do it to you, uh-huh. too. I gave you a little bit of warning before I pressed the record button, you but did. not really. When I was in high school, I had a Luke Robitaille jersey. Uh-huh. I wore it when I played pickup basketball. I wore it when I played tennis with my friends. Most of the kids at my school... Knew me as the guy that had the Luke Robitaille jersey. I had a Luke Robitaille poster. I have, you know, the po- you know <laughs> patch from when you broke the gold record, all this stuff. <laughs> I've seen you interact with fans. I know that when you go out in the world, mm-hmm. you are Hall of Fame Luke Robitaille. Hall of Famer Luke Robitaille. Does it ever, like... <laughs> Where's the question? Does it ever just get, like, do you ever, does it ever get exhausting being Luke Robitaille for uh, everybody all the time? Huh, does it? Uh, I don't think so. You, you know, I, I think with the fans in L.A. or hockey fans, I, I think some of them, like, they feel like I've been, we've been part of the same ride together. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always tell people, I feel like I grew up in L.A. You know, I really learned to speak English here. And so I don't, I don't get tired of it. You know, I, 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 I always go back to the thought that, like, you know, when I was a kid, I would have given anything to play in the NHL. I would have done anything. So if you would have said, will you sign a million autographs playing in the NHL? I would have said, yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, I'll do it. Will you take a picture and sell it to everyone? Yeah, I would. So I don't think that should change. So I got the same feeling. And now, in fairness, my wife has really been good to me over the years because sometimes, you know, especially when I was a player, you'd have a bad game. And in the old days in the form, we'd come out and the fans were all out there. So we, they were right in the middle. And in the Gretzky era, it'd be hundreds of people. 
She'd always, even on a bad game, she'd go, look at that kid in the eye. Make sure you say hi. You know, Make sure you talk to him. It could have been you. And I always thought, now yeah, she's right, even though I was sometimes not in the best mood. But So that's probably the only time it would happen, and she was there to remind me. Well, I want to bring it up because I feel like I'm pretty good at my job talking to people. Mm-hmm. But like you and I in this room, just the two of us, it's weird for me still. Apologies. Because <laughs> um, in my mind, you're always going to be like Luke Robitaille. And I'm just a guy with a mic here. Um, so thank you for the time. Oh, and no, all it's that. great. Love what you do for us. Well, <laughs> with us. Uh, you know, I try my best. Let's talk about the reverse retro jerseys. Okay. Um, by the time people hear this, they will have seen it. Mm-hmm. As of right now, I've seen it. I'm assuming you have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a reputation for not liking stuff and being like more on the negative side yeah. in general. I love. I don't see you as a negative guy. Well, I appreciate that. Really? People keep telling me that, but <laughs> okay. I'm telling you that's my reputation. <laughs> okay, um, good. I, I think the whole, not just the jersey, but the whole outfit looks fantastic. Like, I think it looks yeah. spectacular. It, it, it's really cool. Like, I think the staff, obviously led by Kelly Cheeseman, has been working real hard. The league's been really involved. You know, we've kind of known where we're going to go that route for a few years. Um, I, I, we know our fans love to see some of the purple back. And uh, anytime we have a chance to bring it back in a special way, I think it's it's really fun. And, uh, you know, we're studying that crown, the old crown, and, and it is not a women's crown, a queen's crown. <laughs> no, we, we found that out, and uh, it just happened that the... It was, uh, Kelly Cheeseman's got the best story. It was like coming from the UK and it, I guess the queen happened to be wearing the crown, but it was, it's just a crown. And, but it's, uh, it's great to, to have it back. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, every one of us that's a purist as far as the Kings, we all love it. You know, I hope all the fans love it. I, I think they will. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I was supposed to see it, mm-hmm. but I happened to be standing there on production well, It's been day. the worst cus- uh, kept secret, too. Like, it yeah. seems like it's come around, like, everywhere. <laughs> well, today I've seen at least a dozen yeah. teams yeah. with their full, full things leaked. But let's talk about the role Adidas plays, because I, not just reverse retros, but, like, I was told, I can't remember when, that it takes two years when you want yeah. to make any change for yeah. league approval, how, what kind of process? Is any that like? change on a jersey takes two years. So, as an example, like I think it was three or four years ago, we went to Adidas and the league first, and we said there's a problem with our Kings logo, like the, the jersey we wear every game, and I'm not even sure every fan knows that, but it wasn't framed right. There was one color missing, so. When you would put it against white, there should have been like a black frame. And when you put it against black, there should have been like a silver frame around. So it took us two years to get that, just to change the frame of our logo, which had nothing to do with the logo, funny enough. So when you do a special jersey or an outdoor game jersey, it is two years in advance. Because by the time you agree to it, you still got to have about 18 months to order the jersey, have it made and sometimes the material doesn't come come the right way. Like our third jersey right now, I'm not sure people know that, but the the sliver part, the silver part, sorry, not sliver, silver part is uh, feels like in uh, in the old, um, uh, you know, in uh, like uh, in the old days, like the you know the 1400 or 1200. It's like almost like a what they used to to the material they used to use to make sure that the sword didn't go against oh, us. Right. It's got yeah, that, yeah. that 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 feeling almost mm-hmm. metal, metallic. But it's uh, so it took a long time just to get that material to prove that material 
part of the jersey, and then even the logo is a little bit, uh, a little bit different, a little bit shinier. That took a long time. And then once you approve that, you got to come up with the right sleeve, the right size, and everything. Once we all approve that, we're we're very peculiar as an organization. I'm really picky. I always think. If the players like what they wear, I know our core fans will like what, what they wear, and then the rest of the fans will like it. That's kind of like the threshold where I was going. We, I want to make sure the players like it, because I know if the players like it, it's going to go a long ways with our fans. So let me ask you that. Uh, last year at some point, I don't remember when or why, mm-hmm. I went down an Olymp- uh, Hull Olympiques rabbit hole on the Internet. Oh, you did? <laughs> and uh, I was looking back, and I was trying to find their history, their jersey history. Mm-hmm. And the jersey that you wore mm-hmm. when you were drafted was black and silver. It looks very similar to the 90s era heritage. Yeah. Uh, or the, I'm just going to call them the Gretzky era. Yeah. Apologies, everybody. Yeah. But at some point, the Olympics were blue and yellow, weren't they? Yeah, so when I start, actually, when I started with the Hall Olympics, they were blue, yellow, and white. Mm-hmm. And then my second year, they were blue and yellow and white. And then I don't think a lot of people know that. I've, I've told that story last year to someone, and they had never heard it. My third year, junior, which was my last year, Gretzky bought the team that summer. Mm-hmm. And I Wait, guess what it, year was this? Was so this, this would have been uh, so 85, 86. I think 86, 87 was my first year in the NHL. So 85, 86, Gretzky bought the team, let's say, in April of 85. And I guess they didn't need a year for that. They changed our, the, our jersey colors that summer. Gretz liked the Raiders. So he changed our jersey to black and silver, just like the Raiders, just like the Kings. And we loved it. We thought we were like the coolest thing. We were black. We went from blue and we We, we had the color of the Rams to the Sunday the Raiders. So <laughs> there you go. We thought it was really cool, I, you know, when you're a kid. And then, you know, move forward. I make, I make the NHL play for the Kings. And then Bruce McNall had bought our team, and then he was looking to change the jersey. And he showed us a jersey my second year, which would be 87, 88. It was near the beginning of the season. He came down, and Bruce McNall's company was dark, dark blue, silver, and white. Very dark blue, though. And, uh, And he had this jersey, and he goes, what do you think? And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. But I said, you know, Bruce said, when, uh, when Wayne Gretzky owned my team in junior, we used to be the same. Instead of blue, was black. And we loved it. It was kind of like the Raiders. And, and I said, I know there's the Raiders, but we loved it as players. And I didn't know then that Bruce was trying to get Gretzky. I did not know that. <laughs> but I did say that. So then I made the All-Star team that year. And when I was at the All-Star game, Bruce was in a suite, and he saw the, they had a highlight of me in junior hockey, and he saw the uniform. And, and I, I, I do remember that day after the All-Star game, coming back to L.A., and he said, I'm trying to get Gretzky, and I, I didn't believe it. And I didn't believe <laughs> sure. that Gretzky was going to get traded ever. And he never said anything, but from that day on, I think that was his plan to get the colors that Gretzky liked on our junior team, which was the same jersey. 
If you go back and look mm-hmm. at our jersey in 85, 86 in the hall, except the logo was different, but the coloring was different. And But we did have long pants, though, which was weird. <laughs> like the Cooperalls? <laughs> yeah, we had oh, the weird. long Cooperalls. <laughs> uh, I went back and listened to an interview that I had done with the late, great David Courtney. Yeah. And he told us that that press conference that uh, Wayne Gretzky was introduced, that is why that two-year rule exists. Yeah. Uh, because you just did it. Yeah. yeah. So fast. I mean, it was like... It was fast because I don't think he had any idea in February. So I think they did the jersey. And Kelly Cheeseman actually told me this this week that the way the logo came, because we're looking at logos always, like if you look at the old Kings logo, the jersey itself was just a crown, but every other thing that was printed or anything was was actually a shield. Mm -hmm. And, And they would say Kings across it past the logo. And he said... That apparently, like that week or whenever it was, they just kind of framed the word Kings. And then they just put on a jersey and someone said, oh, that looks cool. And they went with it. And then a little bit later, someone said, that looks like the Chevy logo, but it was too late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I everybody mean, that... was wearing the jersey anyway because Gretzky has worn It's kind of funny how that goes. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I was almost embarrassed at how long it took me to realize that the Chevy logo is just the original shield with, yeah. like, with a border yeah, drawn me, around. Me yeah, me too. I didn't know that. Yeah. But but. In fairness, though, David is right. They had to make a rule. You had to be ahead of time. But what's changed? If you go back in those days and you'd watch hockey games and you watch on TV, no one wore jerseys. Today, people love to, to have the, the team jerseys. Yeah. So whenever you're ready to make a jersey, you got to make sure you got enough material to make a few, you know, five, ten thousand jerseys right away because they're going to be distributed at the same time as you come out. So circling back around to that first question I asked you about being Luke Robitaille. When, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I've got three of them in my closet, Luke Robitaille jerseys. When you go to a game and you still see Luke Robitaille jerseys out there, like, uh-huh. do you, does that connect with you on any level? Like, uh, that's me. They're cosplaying as me. It, it connects with me. Like, I, I always uh, kind of get, get a chuckle. And I, I know, like, I know their, uh, their age bracket is, is sure. above usually. <laughs> but it, it's fun. I mean, to see the, the, that fans still uh, want to wear an old jersey, I think it, I like to see it. And, uh, you know, it's always it's, it's a nice nice touch. And if I see someone, I'll go, the, just last game, this guy had a jersey wrote. I go, hey, nice jersey. And I walk by him. Good luck. <laughs> so for Father's Day a couple of years ago, I got my dad a jersey because he bought me all mine when I was a kid. Yeah. And, and I got him his favorite player from the Canadians. If you got yourself a jersey from when you were a kid, who'd you, who would you get? Well, when I was a kid, it would have been no question to ask. It would have been Gretzky. Really? Yeah. That was like when I was, I think I was 12 or 13 and I saw him play. I was like, whoa, he was awesome, you know. And uh, and then if I would have probably had another player to pick, if it would have been because of Gretzky is so obvious, it probably would have been Bobby Orr, the Bruins, because that their jersey was really cool. I liked it as a kid. I loved that. The, the the fielder jersey with the big B, the black, and you know the the beige and all that, or whatever, some type of yellow. But uh, probably would have been those guys. And if it would have been the Canadian, it would have been the Rocket Richard. Good pick. I didn't see him play, but sure. it was just it was such an aura. It was like for us growing up, it would be like I would think an American kid hearing about Babe Ruth. Right. You know, we always heard about the Rocket, like people talk about Babe Ruth here. All right. I said we were going to talk about the reverse retro. I feel like I'm going to talk to you about That's it. That's all right. <laughs> um, so 
when Adidas, does Adidas design the jersey, or do 32 teams have their own design? So teams? no, Adidas does design. So they'll meet with us and they'll, they'll uh, we'll give them ideas. We'll have their whole group, and then they'll uh, they'll come back to us with two, three, four options. If we don't like him, then we'll send them all back. But usually, there's one or two that is close to something we like because they listen to us. First, now I do hear some teams are like just just show me what you got and we'll we'll see. We're more peculiar. We're we're an organization that's very involved on the on the design of the jersey from the beginning to the end, and we push things like we we pushed uh, the silver helmet. Like some people like it, some people don't. Like we we thought that was different and cool, and we and I think our players like it, so that's what matter. But. That was definitely like as a as an example. That was our as an organization. It was our idea. So this was an opportunity to ask a question that a fan submitted. Mm-hmm. Um, the question was: Why are <clears throat> NHL teams seemingly averse to wearing more unique jerseys throughout the year? Reverse retro jerseys are some of the coolest in our team's history. Why was that a single run? Why don't we do more collaborations with the Lakers and Dodgers? I'm assuming that's league mandated. League mandate. Yeah, it's really hard to change. They they don't want us to do overdo it. Uh, and the numbers, like we try, like a, I personally like when we wear the uh, '70s era jersey, whether it's purple or gold. Uh, but the league will lo- only let you have so many sets. So if you have you your white and and black for us, and then the third jersey, like this year we're doing a retro net set, you're not allowed to do another one. So like we we push we push in, but we ask constantly ask for what else can we do. Because I was trying to get like a, a purple version for a year. Like we would keep the pads and everything. And then the next year, gold always have a couple games. I thought, I know our fans like it. So I thought it would be, and, I, and the players actually like it too. Especially the one from the, way from the 70s. It's just got, like if you have the gold, it's just got the purple sleeve. It is pretty simple, but cool, you know. This is a question for me. I don't even know like what level these kinds of conversations happen at, but I heard I don't remember where mm-hmm. that when they switched from white jerseys at home, dark on the road mm-hmm. to dark at home and white on the road, I heard that that was basically about the travel cost of laundry because uh, third jerseys were just starting to be introduced and most of the third jerseys were dark and so it became you know a travel. Uh, I was. Uh, I was in a board meeting when that got voted, and that was the, one of the longest conversations I've <laughs> ever been part of. And I was just starting. I had just retired. And they kept re-voting and voting and making sure everybody understood. Um, I think they wanted first to go back to the old days. The old days, the, the home team wore the, the dark The, the original the, the original, yeah, yeah, the original, original old days. And that was more to talk... Part of it was saying, well, it's easier for the trainers. They might not have to carry as much because of the third jersey. Mm-hmm. But that was not the main point. It was more like they want to go back to the original way. I, I, I was lukewarm on it. I've never, I, I kind of, I, I almost feel like we should flip-flop halfway through the year. I think that's what you the know? AHL does, right? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. yeah, you're right, yeah. So I'd like to do that because I think it's some of the white jerseys are really, really nice, and I'd like our fans to see them more. So another question about the jerseys. Um, a fan says uh, that they've heard that the current black-white color scheme is very popular among fans, but in their personal bubble, they have, you know, that they and their friends like the purple and gold. So he's just curious what kind of um, – 
customer surveys. Now, I've seen some of them behind mm-hmm. the scenes. I'm not in all the marketing meetings, but it's extensive. Yeah, it's extensive. Uh, our staff, for years and years, have done a lot of work on the, on the, uh, on the, the coloring and everything. And, uh, but, you know, and, and you see, and there's definitely more requests on the black and silver and the white. But to be honest, like, come on, we won two cups with the right. black and white. <laughs> right. We went to the finals with another black and white. Why go back? We're not, we're not doing that. I do like bringing it back. I love to bring our history back. But if, if that fan asks a question, likes it that I'm involved, or maybe they don't want me around, I, as long as I'm involved, I think we should stick with what, we, what we're good at right now. Well, I don't think that one was personal. <laughs> I think that, that's sort of like, you know, my dad would always no. tell me when he was a kid, he'd say, like, you know, his friends would say, I don't, under, I don't know anybody that's the opposite political thing. And it's like, yeah. well, sure you don't. Your friends are all yeah, that's right. your friends. <laughs> um, but I will ask you this, because um, I've had this conversation with people, regardless of which logo it is, my attitude is always stay with what it is. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a logo that I didn't like for a hundred years than change every five. Yeah, I, we don't like change, and, and and it's very rare. Our Mr. Anschutz is is involved with our team, but he likes for us to have stability, mm-hmm. and stability on the logo and the, the color and the jersey and so forth. That's the one thing. Like he, he'll, he'll every once in a while, he'll remind me and Dan Beckham in the same. So we know that's important as an organization. You got to stand for something. I mean. Sometimes I'm, you know, there's things we're looking and the way our lettering is because over the years it's been changed. And like, you know, like our jersey now was really a third jersey to start and it was only supposed to last a few years. But then our players liked it so much we kept it. You know, there could be a couple things we could tweak in the future because of that. But I don't really want to change it either, like too much, because we know how important it is for the fans. And, you know, I don't think they should have to buy a jersey every year either. I mean, I know some people will say, why are you saying that? I just care that they wear a jersey. They don't have to buy one every year because we're we're just tweaking it. That doesn't make sense to me. I like me to stability. I like a franchise that stands for something. We we shouldn't have slogans. We should stand for something as a group and, and stick with it. Now, that being said, that logo, funny enough, it's one of the most copied logo in North America. We get infringement, you know, letters from attorneys all the time. Yeah, everybody seems to take it, change the LN, put the the name of their city or the letters of their city. They take out the crown and put something else and they use it. It's amazing how many we get, like, you know, numerous a week almost. It's funny. There's a high school in Hawthorne, I Mm -hmm. think. I just recently moved. I was looking for apartments and it's just a florida panthers logo from like 93 it is yeah but it just says whatever high school <laughs> that's you know, funny it just calls, it says <laughs> they the panthers just took the logo and they kept it simple yeah and i just drove past it. i was like i guarantee nobody yeah. out here knew, knew no. that they just ripped off a, an nhl logo but um uh so i had another oh i was gonna say the thing that i always think about is if we did change when i walk into the office doors the logo's all over the place. Like it's on the front door. It's yeah. next. It's the, got the yeah. mission statement on the wall yeah. next. <laughs> I was thinking changing that must be. No, that, that's that's one of the reasons you don't want to change. Right. Because we do a lot of work, and it, you you see it in inside our organization. It's important that the logo is there. We want everyone that works with us to know who they work for and what we stand for, and 
Yeah, absolutely. You, you decide to change things, it's it could be very expensive <laughs> internally. It's not just a logo on the, on the jersey or on the ice. It's a lot more than that. <laughs> this isn't related to the Kings, but Crypto.com Arena, yeah. when they switched names, we had like a little side conversation, all of us in the media, about how long it would take for every little yeah. mention to change. Yeah. And it was the next day, it was even the folding chairs, the stickers yeah. on the edge of the folding chairs had been yeah. in place. They, were, there was a, they did a lot of work quickly. It was impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was really it's impressive. amazing. Uh, do you mind if I ask you some questions from fans? No, go ahead. All right, first one's what's your favorite color? We like to throw My in favorite a favorite color? <laughs> well, it's kind of boring because I, I wear black because I keep it sure. simple. I love that, you know, to wear it's probably black and white and silver. And, I, you know, if I had to pick a color, color, probably red. Okay. Yeah. What's Stacia's favorite color? Stacia's favorite, blue. Blue, Like right. aqua, aqua blue, aqua. For your second, I'm glad you knew the answer blue. to that. You didn't have yeah. to about it. <laughs> um, all right, so I've asked other members of the front office staff this question. Okay. And I know my answer. Okay. Uh, 2000-2001, beat Detroit in six games, mm-hmm. take Colorado to seven. Mm-hmm. If game seven goes differently, how close is that team to winning the Cup? You mean year? the puck that was in the net that yes. Ray Borg got <laughs> it out the of one. the air? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we can win it all, but we had a lot of guys going the right way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it does come down to injuries. And, you know, we had a good run. We had a good goalie. We, had a, we were playing a really good system. We could have surprised, uh, you know, a few teams. I mean, we still, I think, did, did they run through? Did Colorado have to run through? No, we ran through Detroit. I can't remember who they beat the next round. But if that goal goes in, we might win that game, and it could be different history, yeah. I think you guys would I mean, Actually, I'm, the goal wasn't. It just didn't, yeah, they didn't count it. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I think, I think the Kings win the cup. Well, we had like a... We had a really good team where we had a lot of players playing the role and understanding their roles. And when that happens, you can win a lot of games. Uh, another question. Uh, this one's feel free to not answer this or tell me to edit it out uh, after I ask it. But uh, how glad were you that they checked Marty McSorley's stick and not yours in 93? Oh, it was never going to be me. Like I, <laughs> I, I, Most of my career, my, my stick was like borderline most mm-hmm. of the time because it was wood. But... I remember the Vancouver series, two series. Is that a fan I asked that yeah, one? Yeah, Two series before, you could tell the fan, uh, Tony Granato and I on an off day between games in Vancouver, we checked everyone's stick because we used to get shipped and we, most of us would never really look at it. Like I would curve my stick and then I would shave some parts of it and I would shave the heel to keep it legal. And, uh, but we, uh, we checked. 25 guys sticks because he had a couple extra 14 guys had something illegal the blade was too long too thick but we didn't know right none of us knew and uh but i knew in montreal we'd talked about we we could we could tell they were looking at stick because it's hard to call a stick you got to check on the even though they 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 grabbed a few sticks you know between uh, before the game i think between the warm-up and the game and they i know the sticks they grabbed it was marty it was mine it was thomas sandstrom and I think they grab Alex at Nick. A policeman told me years later, <laughs> and uh, and then so they they knew, but but they still didn't know, you know, who had maybe changed a stick. Like uh, 
I had learned that like Brett Hall would have like a toe curve, and then in the third period when the game was tied, he would change. He would have yeah. one stick that he had chopped the the toe a little bit, so it made it legal. All of us did that 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 we were on the borderline. I I didn't check my stick every game, but I always had one that I knew that one was made. Like I, usually I would I would keep it sometime for 10, 15 games and then switch it. You know. So. This is my question, um, based off of that. We talked to Jarrett Stoll in the offseason, and I don't know if you're aware or not, but like a lot of fans think that Quentin Byfield's stick was too short. So we brought it up with Jarrett Stoll. We yeah. talked about it, and he talked about the lie of the blade yeah. and how that can you know, be an a mm-hmm. optical illusion and make the stick look shorter and mm-hmm. you can change it and everything. It's huge topic of conversation. It was. Uh, but I'm wondering, as president of the team, do you find yourself sometimes wanting to like – wander into the development uh, team's office and give pointers? Well, or, we talk. You know. We talk. Like, you know, we all played the game. So sometimes, like, Blakey will talk about a defend, defenseman the way he's defending. Even though he's the GM, he's got so many big decisions to make, he might slide to someone, look, I think he's using his stick wrong when he's defending. And we're just always trying to help each other. I might I might go to Stoli and say, you know, we'll talk. Like, I, I think we – I – when we when people kept talking about the length of his stick, I said, "Well, Malkin is about as big, and his stick is about as short. It's just the way." I do think like the lie probably had more of a, of a, of a difference. It, his stick doesn't look as short this year, and it's pretty much the same stick, a little bit of a different lie. Uh, but it's the way he's always played. You you shouldn't have to change, you know. And it's a player. If the player feels good and he changed things, it's good good for him. But uh, you know, I, we, we talk, but it's their job, you know. Like, I would never try to step in the middle. But if I see something, I'm like, hey, Stoli, like, have you guys ever thought of that? And I, I would say 90% of the time, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we thought of that. We've been talking about it. I'm like, okay, that's why you guys are good. <laughs> so a uh, mutual friend, Jonathan Davis, mm-hmm. tells me to ask you the story about learning how to fight in juniors and taking those lessons to training camp. Oh, everybody heard that story. I, by I now. don't know what he's talking oh, about. You heard that, no? I don't think so. So, so what happened is in junior hockey, uh, when I played my first year junior, we 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 got I got caught in a few fights because it was survival in Canada. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, so when I went to my first camp in L.A., I got like a, the first scrimmage. I scored two goals. The next scrimmage, I scored a couple goals. I thought I was going to make the team for sure. I was sure I was making the team. Then the third scrimmage, I get a goal and a couple assists. I'm like, I think I made the team. And then after, they, they called me in to go to the office. And I'm thinking, they got, you know, they're inviting me for a preseason game tomorrow and, and so forth. And, they, and they, they cut me. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked. I was like, they cut me? Like, I scored all these goals in three scrimmages. And uh, it was Rogi Vachon and Pat Quinn. And they said, look, we, we think you had a great camp. And. And we're really happy with what you've done. We were surprised, whatever. And he says, uh, we'd like for you to keep work, to work on your skating this year when you go back to junior. And he, and then uh, Pat Quinn tries to be, he was very careful with me. He said, we'd just like you to be a little tougher. You know, if you have a chance, play a little tougher. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went back to junior and one of, the, one of my teammates was teaching me how to fight a little bit more. And I got 
got involved in a bunch of fights just to know what it would feel like and really what he would he had thought me is like when you get in a fight look he goes just grab right away his right arm like near the elbow squeeze a jersey like and and hold on and he goes throw a bunch of hits and it'll look good and if if you see it's getting you getting too many punch just hug him and go down <laughs> so i'm like okay so i did that a bunch of time but because i was the goal scorer and the point getter on our team guys would always love it when i would fight and it would change the momentum of a game sometimes so i did that maybe i don't know 10 12 times that year and I made it look okay so the next year i come to camp i'm like and i was in shape and i was ready and i'm like well, I'm making a team this year. So first time, and that year, Bernie Nichols came to me and he had asked the coach if he could play with me at camp because he, he had seen my stats in junior and he, he kept feeding me. So literally my first shift I scored, I'm like, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to make this team. So, But I'm like, they want me to improve my skating. And so I was, even between whistle, I would sprint to the bench because I'm like, <laughs> the scouts are watching sure. me. I'm not going to show up slow going to the bench. I would do everything I could to show that my skating was better and uh, so anyway this one big guy kind of hit me a little late and uh, there's it's like an unwritten rule like in hockey if a guy hits you a tiny bit late it's a little bit disrespectful especially in those days so uh, I walked him back and he turns around and he's maybe he's got four or five inches on me and he looks at me he goes and he literally said you don't want to do this kid <laughs> and I'm like now I'm embarrassed because sure. I'm like this guy turns me down so now I'm mad, and I go back on the bench, and I think we got another goal, me and Bernie, and then maybe three shifts later, he hits me again. This time, I didn't give him a chance. I just whacked him with a stick, and he turned around, and I think he couldn't believe it. I was going to drop my gloves. I dropped my gloves, and I went to grab his, uh, his right arm, and he was a lefty. Oh, no. <laughs> so he hit me, and he was the tough guy, our tough guy in the American League. I didn't know him. Right. And he beat the crap out of me. I got 25 stitches, and I was Jeez, knocked on the ice, blood everywhere. Oh and all I remember is Bernie jumping on him. He goes, stop, you're going to kill him. <laughs> wow. So then then the next day was a cut, and they cut me again. And I'll mm. never forget, Rogie's looking at his notes. And he, he says, we, we really want you to keep improving your skating. You had a good camp again. Then he kind of chuckled. He goes, he goes, just keep improving your skin because I know in his notes that we want right. you to be tougher. Dave Taylor always said I taught them a lesson. They never asked me to be tough yeah, again. No <laughs> well, we'll thank Jonathan Davis for that question. Um, this leads into the next one. Who would you rather fight with, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. Mm. Hmm. Well, neither is probably the <laughs> sure, right that's answer. That's the smart answer, sure. But if you if it's survival, you gotta grab one of the two. Whew, I don't know. I don't know. I mean you Who met would you? Me? I mean, I feel like Schwarzenegger would just crush me with one swing. Whereas... Yeah, I'd probably go with, with Jean Claude, but he, he you know, he was a real athlete. He I was mean you like, look at was me, the I'm real not gonna deal. do well against either one of them. So. Like Arnold, the problem with Arnold is if he grabs you with a headlock, you're done. <laughs> in those in the prime days. I feel like day. I'm just that. Today today's face. different. <laughs> so do you have time for a couple more? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh so uh next question was is there anybody on the roster or in the development system that reminds you of you as a player? Well, no, they're all like so different. We're all different. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I can, in the past, you know, I get a kick out of Gabe Velarde because, you know, people always question skating. They always question <laughs> sure. mine. So so I've had a few talks 
with him about that, you know, that it doesn't matter. It's who gets to the puck first. You know, people can say whatever they want, but if you get to the puck first, it never matters. So sometimes, you know, I could refer to them. But, but his skill level is different, way different than mine. His hands are just it's totally different. And it, it, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, sometimes I, the way the kid Fagamo gets open, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know I, I, I used to get open that way. A lot. We talked to Cameron Gauntz this summer, and I mentioned Fagamo, and uh, I said, like, one of the things I noticed about him is he has no problem calling for a pass. Mm-hmm. And, and tons of players don't have a problem, but I, mm-hmm. for some reason when he... He really calls for it. (laughs) And when he gets it, he shoots it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, Gon said that's great to have a teammate like that. But what's really interesting about him is he gets open on a one-timer and in a slot really well. But a lot of times when the puck is in the zone and he ends up in the net when he's on the ice, you see him, he's in right in front of the net, like a lot more Mm -hmm. than people realize. And that's what a real goal scorer could do. They could be open outside to... To get to get the pass, but at the same time, when they when it's not coming, they end up finding a hole in front of the net, and and that's that's hard to teach that part. Let's talk about Velarde a little bit because talk to Jim about it. We've heard from Todd, we've mm-hmm. heard from everybody. People say he looks faster, um, but the thing that I keep hearing the most is that he's either taking pressure off of himself or he feels lighter uh, uh, in, yeah. the, in the mood department. Like, is well, that something that you well, talk to him about? No, but professional sports is when you care, mm-hmm. you put pressure on yourself. And Gabe Velarde really cares. He loves the game. He's very, very passionate about the game. I mean, I went to his house in Kingston, and people talk about Crosby ruining, a, a I think, the, the, the dryer for, for his mom. He's, he had a room. In the room, there was holes everywhere, and there's a net. And this kid must have shot a thousand pucks a day every day for his entire life. That that one year where he was home, that's when I went to see him, and he was shooting every day. Uh, you know, so then you know you gotta love what you do to do that every single day. So I think sometimes if it's not a bad problem to care so much that you're hard on yourself. Now, obviously, you gotta get out of it. But that's if that's the biggest problem you have, it's a good problem that we have kids like that on our team. And that's the thing. I think what he, he's hard on himself. He expects a lot of himself. And he's the kind of guy that he's getting his chance now and he's showing what he can do. And I, it doesn't surprise me. I think he, as he keeps getting more and more chances, he's going to impress more and more people. I mean... He won, you know, he, he went to the Memorial Cup at 17, 16 years old. He was the best player, you know, and that that's that doesn't go away. You know, he's going to be really good once, you know, he's getting now closer to guys his own age group, and you can see how good he's getting. We talked to Jim Fox earlier today, and he said he saw from this first uh, shift is not the right word, but the mm-hmm. first drill, first practice, whatever, on, mm-hmm. on the ice – that Gabe looked different, and so yeah. he, he and Dooley yeah. have been. Uh, He's having definitely a lot more fun. Yeah, um, probably about five or six different versions of this question, which was, "What's the difference between winning the cup as a player and an executive?" Uh, as a player, I mean, you play hockey, so the goal is to win the cup. You go through phase when you get to the NHL. The first year, you you just want to establish yourself. You don't want to sit out. You want you want to keep going. Then. Then you get a, your first contract. You're like, okay, your life is settled. Then, then you really start realize you, it's it's about winning. You always want to play to win, but 
becomes more and more real. And I remember 92, 93 thinking we'd be right back the next year. And we never went back to Kings, you know, until 2012. And then, so when I got the chance to win in 2002, it was really, really special because you, you, you go back into all the sacrifice your family's done for you. You know, whether it was my wife, my kids, my mom and dad, my brother, my sister. And also, you celebrate with really the players and the trainers because you go through this war for two months. It's really intense and it, it's really hard to explain unless you live it. The difference is when, when you win it in management, I understood like our management went through a lot and there was a lot of preparation because people forget in 2007, we kind of broke down the team and we kept re, kind of rebuilding. But the cool thing about being involved on, on the other side is to realize how many more people it touches than I thought. Like there's people that bought season seats with the Kings since 1967. And they were in tears. This was their, they were so happy to be there. And, you know, everybody has been a Kings fan their whole life. This meant everything to them, you know. And uh, so that was the one thing that you don't really know as a player. You meet people, you talk to them, how meaningful it is. But when you're on the other side, you realize the sacrifice some people. Some people had no money, and they kept buying season C. That was their life and, and everything. And then and to be able to win it for them and with them was certainly was awesome. So I've told pieces of this story before, but I'll tell the full mm -hmm. version now. My folks got divorced when I was very little and my dad took me, sorry, <clears throat> my dad took me to games for years at the Forum and then at Staples Center. Uh -huh. And like he and I watched, you know, I sat on his left, he sat on my right like the whole time. And the, he wound up moving to South Carolina two days after the Cup win in 2012. And we sorted it out. If they'd gone to game seven, he'd have been on a plane. I'd have been at work. Wow. And we're sitting there watching it together. Like, he's about, you know, and I had little sisters, That's and awesome. they were going to move. And, like, yeah, I cried. I cried. That's like, awesome. it was ridiculous. And, I, you know, I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of the guys at the 10th uh -huh. year anniversary thing. And I told him that story. And then said, like, how many times do you hear some version yeah. of that? And, I mean, yeah. you, you know, having played in multiple markets and now been yeah. in the front office, you must hear that stuff all the time. Yeah. That's a good story of yours. <laughs> I love it. Cool. <laughs> I mean, it's why I'm here. It's, uh, <laughs> y y there's, there's different stories of people where they were when it happened. So my, my favorite story is little kids that were like, you know, when you're eight, nine, you're starting to realize things. So if kids liked hockey in 2011, by the time he was 14, 15, he almost thought, the Kings win the Cups all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think they realize how lucky they were. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so I asked Adrian Kempe this one, and I want to ask more people this, but you're the second person I've had a chance to ask to. If you're at a game mm -hmm. and you're not working, you're not, you know, attached to the game, like where do you like to sit? Um, what do I like? Well, it's hard. I, like if I go to a game and no one knows me, I'd mm -hmm. like to sit about mid-level of the building, okay. right, right at center ice. Because I like that you could see. Like, I love our suite level, their mid-level, and I could sit there all day and watch watch the game. Uh, but it's hard to sit in the stands in most arenas because there's always sure. a bunch of hockey <laughs> fans that come to talk. Sure. But that would be, that would be yeah. my spot. I don't really like our press box. I feel it's really high. It is. Very way high. too high. And uh, so sometimes, like... Uh, when we do a week game and I see a suite is open, I'll just go and sneak in there alone. I love that part. During game six against the Oilers last year, uh -huh. during the third period, there's a second period, whatever, I had to get out of the press box because I was too 
into the game and I yeah. needed to be like uh-huh. closer. So I just started walking around and every time there was a stoppage, I'd step into a different part of the building That's and just cool. <laughs> fear, and yeah, because it is very far away. Um, if you're going to watch the Kings away game, which three cities are your favorite? Uh, I really enjoy being in New York. I always do. It's, it's still really fun to go to Montreal. Um, and then another city that I would like to go, it's probably, it's probably the same Chicago or Boston. Okay. They're great markets, fun to watch games there. And I like those cities. I think Jim had New York, Montreal and Nashville. That was Nashville's fun too. Nashville. Uh, yeah, I didn't think of them, but they, they've, they've created a great atmosphere in their building. It's fun. Well, it's such a, I mean, I haven't been to every city in the NHL, but. The downtown area is so yeah. like unique to that. <clears throat> yeah, it's very area. special. Yeah, it's fun. So here's one, and it's sort of a big one. I think we'll end on that one. I don't want to take up your whole day. Um, you went from player. You've owned minor clubs. You've yeah. you know done ads. You've done Hollywood. Now you're president. You were started out as I think president of business operations. Yeah. Now you're just president of the LA Kings. Like what responsibilities does the president have? Like what are the things that the president of of an NHL hockey club has to do that we don't know about? Oh, well, you probably know everything. But I, I think the, the most important thing is the, is the direction of the organization, the culture, the type of organization we want to be in, what we stand for. And then, and then everything else comes with it, now, the attention to detail and making sure as a group we're paying attention to every detail. Like it's not just enough to put a team out there. It's like... How much? How much do we teach those players? Like how? Like how much available is does Rob Blake have to help our players be better and help us be great LA Kings? And same on the business side is you're always trying to see what else can we do that makes our franchise a little bit better today than it was yesterday. Like it's been hard. It's been hard with COVID and everything. And but it's something for me that's really important. Like. I, I love the LA Kings. Cam Neely said it best to me a few years ago. We were talking about guys that have our job. Like he's got the same job as me, and he said, "Like you and I, Luke." He said, "We're different." I go, well, "Why is that?" He goes, "We care for our team. It's not a job. It's like it's about the organization. It's about what we stand for. You know, like I'm even though I play with other team, I feel I went to school with the other organization and brought it back here. Like the first." Five years that I was doing business operation, I think I drove everyone nuts because I kept saying, "In Detroit, they do it this way. We got to do it better than them. In Detroit, they do it this way. We got to do it better." Because, but I knew their culture was right, and I wanted our culture to be better. I do believe our culture is better. Like all of our staff believe that uh, that we're we're all here to help our give our players a chance to win the Stanley Cup. That's the goal. And that's the reason we're building it this way. That's it, we've been through some pains the last few years. So, you know, what do I do every day? You know, we had some sponsorship deals. We got it. we were in New York. We had a board of governors meeting. We met. Not, with yeah, aren't you just coming back? From other, yeah, right just now? came back from New York, and you know, there's always something new every day. You know, like, but I try to get involved. You know, our staff knows what they're doing and everything. But I, but when it comes down to the the, the kings themselves, like like what we're doing, the way we respond, the way we treat people and everything. It's very important to me. And and then there's like a million meetings a day about whatever's happening, whether it's marketing or you see it, whatever we're doing, we're trying to create things, but we can't create too much. We've got to do it one thing at a time and do it well. 
one of the things that I am slowly learning and that blew my mind was just how big this company is as far as like all the moving pieces. Yeah. And I try and tell fans, I know sometimes, because I was up there in 320, in, you know, row one, season nine and 10, saying, why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? And now that I'm inside, I go, oh, because, you know, for example, like changing the jerseys. Yeah. Two years. Yeah, it's like, two years. Yeah. <laughs> it takes yeah. forever to do stuff. But AEG's massive and yeah. the Kings is big too. And it's like, takes time to to create something even like uh, people don't know like we'll go in the summer and create those 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 nights those special nights that we have we gotta we gotta have those ready a long long time ago to start the process and and then something you get at the end and you go, this wasn't really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we missed on this one. Let's make sure we don't do it next year. But you so know, it's too late to change at the last minute. There was one, There was every now and then I have this tendency to pick out these small yeah. moments. And they stick with me forever. And it was, I can't remember if it was 2012 or 14. But after they won the cup, one of those two years, it was the opening game mm-hmm. when they had the banner ceremony it must yeah. have been 2014 yeah. and the cup was lowered yeah from the jumbotron mm-hmm. now i asked around and somebody told me i can't remember if it was your idea or you approved it and everyone was very nervous about it but no, it was my idea and they, okay. they all said no we can't do it and i'm like no 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 you guys i was picked in the ninth round they told me i would never <laughs> make the nhl and we're gonna do this one because we thought I it would be really cool moment. to come. It was the very middle, cool. You know? No one had ever done that. And when that. I heard that it was your idea, I, honestly, I had the same reaction as like you scoring a goal. I was like, that's, was it, right, that's right. Was it, was it 12 or 14? I think it was in, 14. Because I think in 14, which it might have come down, and I think Dust Brown grabbed it, and then we had all the players around, if you remember. They all yes. passed the and cup. That's right, yeah. That, that was, was like yeah, a moment. That's that how we did it. I, think I, still I thought that was important to do. Like some teams, like I watched Colorado, the captain kind of skate around the ice. We were like, no, let's have the whole team have it around. We thought because it was a team thing. That's yeah. how we won. No, well done, that well thought cool, of. Man. I was and I was very excited to hear that, uh, that my favorite player, Luke Robitz, had thought of that. We, I always want to take risk as an organization mm-hmm. like you. So I always say we're going to miss things, even game entertainment. And I, I, I tell our guys like, if I don't get a call from the commissioner once a year that we went too far. We're not doing a good job yet. <laughs> well, I appreciate not it. not bad. Uh, and, uh, and I appreciate your time and everything. I'm going to let you go because uh, okay. I could literally just waste a week of your time with this. But thank you very much. Luke. All appreciate right, my it. friend.